Let's Talk Trail with the first ever finisher of the Zane Gray 50 mile. So I'd like to thank Scott Modzaluski. Is that how you say it? Close enough. Can, can you say it real quick? <laughs> well, it's, everybody says Mojaleski, but in Polish it's Modzalewski. Modzalewski? Yeah, my, okay. my nickname was Mo, not Mojo, but out here Bob Kite tagged me with Mojo. Said yeah. he's going to put the Mojo <laughs> on me. So we got Mojo in the studio here today. Thanks for being yeah, with thanks us. Thanks for having me. Now you just ran Zane Gray this past weekend. Right. So how did that go? Um, even leading up to Zane Gray, uh, when Joe reached out and asked if I wanted to run it, and uh, I saw the email at night, I, I couldn't sleep after that. I laid in bed, and I was like, oh gosh, I'm going to do Zane Gray. Because, so you had like all the nervous jitters? Yeah, I didn't know it. I mean, this is Zane Gray. It's not uh, Man Against Horse. It's, not, it's, it's a three-hour longer 50-miler if you're having a hard time, two hours maybe if you're not, or, or more. So there's, it's, a, it's a bear. So I had to get mentally ready. Ready. When's the last time you ran this race? Because you first ran it in 1990, which was the very first running. Right. And then 2001, I looked it up. I went back and ran 11.03 with a brand new pair of Montrells I never ran. And they were at the race. I think they sponsored it. And uh, so I think Ian was working for him at the time. And I got these clunker big Montrells for those rocks. And I was kind of glad I had them out there because, you know, how rocky it, it, it's gotten better, the trail. But... Yeah, and just put your head down and run. Dehydration big time in this one. So you ran it in 1990, then 2001, and right. then this year. Yeah. So you've only done it three times? Only three, and then wow. for years we had the 50K because there was no 50-miler, maybe because of the fire. And um, so we go up and do that from the 260 trailhead in and, and back. And always cool seeing wild turkey and stuff like that. I think this year... Um, Steve Rogers and Justin Ludick both saw, Steve thought he saw horses, but I'm pretty sure he saw elk ran in front of him. Because yeah. I don't think there's wild horses out that way, but uh, they almost got trampled on, actually. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I want to start with, like, how, when did you first start running ultras? Because you were big time in the scene in the 90s, and yeah. then I think kind of went away for a while, didn't do a whole lot, and then last few years you've been back at it. I know you've run Crown King a few times. Man yeah. against horse. Mm -hmm. I think I counted seven maybe in the last few years here. Yeah. But uh, tell us about like what, how did you get into it back then? I know in this day and age we have the internet. Yeah. Everyone kind of knows about marathons and then stepping up to the trail scene. But how did you even find out about it? Um, at first I was working construction in Cleveland and my older brother was doing Western States. So I went from not knowing about anything into Western States. And uh, he said, come pace me out there. And I was a total city construction worker guy, you know, uh, at least 10 more pounds of Budweiser weighed on me and, and that kind of thing. And I kind of laughed at pacing you for 38 miles. And he didn't make it that year. And the next year is when it all started for me. I went out there and, and saw it. I was already running more. And, and once I saw Western States, it just, uh, it, the bug bit me. I saw different shapes, sizes of people competing from all walks of life, and, and that's when it really kind of started. Now, what year was that? 86. Okay. Yeah, and then year. you and your brother both ran the Angeles Crest 100 together. What year was that? Um, probably 89, maybe, because I tried to get in Western States and couldn't get in, so uh, I did other races. Yeah, that was a tough one. We in back then he used Ultra Fuel for uh, remember those twin labs put him out there like 100 grams of carbohydrates. He would just down those, and there was some kind of purple mixture in Ultra Running. Somebody was putting out, and it, it really had the the first like probably four and one mixture in there. So it had some uh, protein and stuff like that. I would chug one of those at every aid, 
And I don't even know what we brought with us between. I'm, I'm trying to remember, you know, there was triathletes had these little thing called squeezies or something. That's how I, I learned about gels. I even called Power Bar and asked them to make a gel instead of these bars that were so hard, you know. And yeah, so that was uh, the start of it. Moved to Arizona and um, met a few people on the trail. Uh, Tess Porter, a uh, Canadian runner, she was real instrumental in my training together. And we'd go do these epic runs in South Mountain and make up stuff like that. Totally dehydrated at the end of a big water from people over the wall. They'd look at <laughs> us like we were crazy. But it did a lot of that make up different yeah. areas and go run and stuff. So you're just literally like, I guess the ultra running community back then was just out on the trails. You just yeah. you see another kind of crazy person out there running and... Yeah, dude, like, just hey, let's get to know each other, yeah. Right, with Crown King, with that history, uh -huh. it was just starting. And Arizona Road Racers, uh, and back then it would be um, the Runner's Den was kind of the hub for it. And uh, so they were putting on the races, and you meet people. Bruce Wise was training, and I told him I want to do Western States, and he said that's half of it, the want to do it, and, you know, just getting to that starting line. And I needed a change in my life at the time. I came mm -hmm. from Cleveland, living that kind of lifestyle, and I wanted a change. And I surely did. I, I went from being a construction worker to a massage therapist and a model and, and running ultras at the same time. So I totally, instead of the nightlife, I was going to bed early and getting up and getting in the mountains. Well, Arizona is a great place for that, too. I mean, we've got yeah. so much access, even in the Phoenix area, to trails and mountains. Yeah, I met a lady, Kay Alderton. Uh, she, she was instrumental to get my family into running because my brother always ran, but more ultra stuff. She ran one way across the Grand Canyon, and my dad read about it, and he told my older brother, so my older brother did it. And that kind of started him on the quest. And he trained with Doug Latimer and all those uh, guys up there in Northern Cal. So I kind of got tied into the names and all that. And uh, when we came down here, moved here and everything, uh, just Ed Zarambo was one guy that I saw that did Crown King, and I got and I read about him doing Western States, and I, I was at Western States, so I felt immediately like I gotta call this guy because there's not too many of us, mm -hmm. and it turned out where I moved to Fountain Hills because of Ed, and he introduced me to a world of trails out there that he probably still has more footprints than any of us out there on those McDowell Mountains. Wow! But I've got to be catching up by now. Yeah. Yeah. What would, how do you think, or what have you seen is like the change in the ultra running scene or community? Do you feel like it's a lot different from back in the day or just maybe there's more people now, but still seems pretty close knit? Yeah, it really does. And you, you guys have done a great job at that, uh, you know, recognizing the people that come before and, and that's uh, important for the sport. The sport was always uh, about helping each other get through this crazy great distance and um, like I think first time uh, I raced with Paul Bonet, we were doing that uh, run across from Mount Ord there, uh, Mazatzal 18. The Matazal. Yeah, yeah. Matazal that he ended up taking over. But he was out ahead because he's such a hill runner. And I don't know what problem he was having. And, and you know, I stopped to help him. And, I, and he said that made him think about ultra running instead of doing the triathlons and that. So you want to see somebody else out there. Yeah, you want to beat him. We, we kind of got competitive, all of us, because there's only so much of, you know, so many people doing it. So we really joke with each other about, yeah, beat Jack Crown King or whatever. I was never as, uh, that good at the shorter ones. The longer ones, I, I would be able to keep going and get into that ultra shuffle and, and as long as the nutrition was going right. But uh, it was a lot of fun back then. Yeah. We have um, actually some old copies of Ultra Running Magazine here. Yeah. Uh, this one is from July, August 1990. I found this, and this actually has the, the race report and results from that very first Zane. 
I uh, wanted to touch on that real quick. So we've got Zangray Highline Trail 50 miler, Pine, Arizona 50.2 miles, May 5th, 1990. Uh, we have 17 starters, six finishers. So, yeah. And uh, they report your time as 12.55 as being the first one. Uh, I was reading this article and they say that, you know, there's, they talk about the beauty of the trail and the toughness right. of it and that back then, I mean, even today, most people take three to four days to backpack the whole thing. And, you know, there's this crazy set of runners that are going to attempt to do it in one day. So very likely you guys are probably the first people to ever cross it in a day. Yeah, maybe so. I used to hear about uh, this one guy, John. He would make up these runs and do these epic long things. And he intrigued me about uh, doing things like this. Um, probably, maybe we were, um, it was so raw, there was no watches to tell you, even now I'm asking, Hey, you got one of those watches to tell you how far we are? And, <laughs> and you know, I think, man, I had to get one of those cause I never trained with a heart rate monitor or any of that. So, I mean, you, you go to this race and it, it, there's just a rawness about it. You know, yeah. it's you nature and, and, uh, even getting lost a little bit right before sea Canyon this year. Um, listening for runners, I go, geez, I remember this area before, you know, like years ago, I, it was like haunting me. And, uh, luckily I, I saw Jeremy go by and just fell right in behind him there for a while. It's, it's always epic. It's like, it's a movie running one of these things in your mind. You see the flashlights of runners, you, you see the images and the beauty of the, the scenery and the runners ahead of you. And I enjoyed the whole day and even a little bit of the suffering part of it that comes with it. But, uh, even all the tree branches that can nail you. I fell twice in front of the same set of people. This one gal heard me swear a couple times. I mean, I went down fast. I caught myself on the rocks, and then I fell on pine needles the next time. But back then, it was just just go. I, I wouldn't even pay attention as much as I should at trail markers because when you're out front, you're all jittery and that. You want to keep going and, and keep the lead and that. Um, I mean, I did get lost. A lot of people used to bust my chops about that quite a bit. Did you ever think that you would be like running Zane Gray in 2016? Um, I, I kind of thought, I hoped that I'd have longevity. Like Saban Snow was t probably 20 years older than me, and I ran a lot with him at the beginning. And I go, man, I want to be doing it when I'm his age. Dwayne Batt was another guy I trained with quite a bit, and he was fast at an older age. Um, and it was really special doing it. They made it special for me. Um, Joe really did. And, and the old guard out there, Bev and Linda and Paul, people were at aid stations. Uh, and I, I was kind of in a daze at those aid stations. I, I was really <laughs> focused, just looking around. I, you know, yeah. I should have thanked people more and everything else. But I think leaving 33, I had to walk for 10, 15 minutes. And, you know, and then it started coming the nutrition started getting to me a little bit. I, I screwed up on my nutrition this year too. Mm -hmm. I took in too much. Uh, product again and, and I just drank water the last 12 miles I was even hitting my kidneys a little yeah I wore a pack too it could have been rubbing in there uh, and then you stop dead in that trail battling the cramps and you see other runners <laughs> throwing up and, and and having a hard time too it's just it's part of the journey yeah I want to make mention of another issue we have here um, this one is from July August 1993 you actually are on the front cover here, it looks like with your son. Yeah, my son. You want to tell us about this one? This is from you want, or winning the Sedona Pinewood 50 yeah. mile. And from my understanding, it was a race put on by Norm Klein, who right. was the longtime race director of Western States. Yeah. And it was just a one-time event. So 
I mean, where did that race start? Where, where did it go? Like, uh, we don't currently have any races in Sedona. What was that like? Yeah, I used to train on Schnebly Hill there and say, wow, somebody should put on a race here. This is God's country. Every time coming down that hill, looking out at Sedona. And I do these, like I said, these training runs alone up there. My wife would stay with my son, was only born at the time. And Norm, Norm put on a race there and in Monument Valley. After I said the same thing, I had a modeling job in Monument Valley, boom, he, he put on a race there. Um, this race started at the bottom of the Schnebly Hill there and went all the way up through I-17 to, I think, Lake Mary, maybe, or I don't think it was Mormon Lake, up to Lake Mary, then back through the forest and all the way back down. And um, I used to train on it, and I think I was telling somebody the other day, I ran my fastest 10K in the middle of that race, running with yeah. all these other ultra runners. I go, I am flying, and I was, everything was working. Well, your time was in like six and a half hours, I think. Yeah, and I never, fast. I think seven after that was the closest a man yeah. his horse, maybe, in Monument Valley was at early seven-hour time. Um, and yeah, I ran really hard, and uh, I look back, Dow Mattingly was chasing me, and, and Dow was always like a f top 10 finisher at Western States. I even saw his name in this race, Zane Gray, in eight hours something. I mean, that's how good this guy was back then. And, and uh, I look back on one of those switchbacks, and I see him, and I, I stopped dead in my tracks. It's like 49 miles, like one more mile, you know, and I, and I dug deep because my father was working one of the aid stations, and uh, I finished. And uh, I told my son, I go, turn around and run. And he had those bib overalls on. And out of all the covers I've been on, Runner's World covers, three of them, all the other stuff I've been on, this is my, my favorite picture and my favorite yeah. things that I've done. And broke the tape at a good time, like you said. And I remember getting sick after that because I ran so hard, you know, the effort. And it's important to take care of yourself after these things as well and beforehand if you can. So I see a lot of people running a lot of ultras now. Uh, be like I did back then and I didn't necessarily do all the things that I should have done um, maybe to help myself out I just went out and ran them never had a coach or anything like that yeah which I think is kind of important now that I look at it I followed the old formula of running like 38 miles on a Saturday and 15 or 20 on a Sunday you know <laughs> and, you, and then doing some stuff during the week and that was kind of the formula I read in ultra running that kind of worked out be, because you had to get used to running on tired legs mm -hmm. kind of thing. And that's the thing about ultras. You can go on dead legs or sore legs as long as they don't turn into cramps or anything like that. And you can yeah. push quite well, a lot. I found out that's true too. You kind of like the ultra legs. They just, they have like this memory. They just keep turning yeah. over. No matter how tired you are, you just kind of keep, keep going after you've kind of trained so many miles over the years. They just go. Yeah, you, yeah, the muscle memory. I was watching other people that would pass me and just looking at their legs and watching their feet where they'd hit. Because sometimes on those trails, you get too close to somebody. And I mean, you, you got to watch all the way around there. It's a, it's a, a lot of trails are like that in Arizona, pretty rocky. Good training here. It's great oh, yeah. training for, for any Mount Ord. You can do doubles on Mount Ord and be ready for Western States or, or anything. Yeah. Uh, we have some questions from our viewers. All right. So, all right. We had some people on Facebook our Aravipa Group Trail Run Facebook page. Submit some questions for Scott, so we'll get to those. Um, so Gladys Rianda asks, I'd like to know how his nutrition before and during the race evolved over the years. You touched a little bit on that. Yes, when I first started, I was working construction and Z Medical Products had these electrolyte tabs on the construction jobs. 
So I go, hey, that's I was reading. I'm like, this is what I need. So I, I ordered a box from them, and they dropped them off at the house. And I would drink um, kind of like Exceed or Succeed, or one of them had a Nutrimini type drink in a can that was thicker, kind of like uh, Insure is now. So I would drink those, um, use those tabs when they weren't really out there at aid stations and stuff like that. And I remember saying, wow, they really helped me get through there and the cramps and that kind of stuff. I'm still trying to figure it out with products and stuff like that. All the, all the new products that are that are out there, um, it's a, it's kind of a balance to figure it all out. I think everybody's individually different on that. But yeah, I'm trying to evolve with the products that are evolving. I, I think I might try to go back to um, maybe more of a whole food type source. I'm not sure how or what. Um, if I continue keep my my knee has to let me to do all this so if it it's been doing okay so i'm doing what it gives me yeah uh let's see we've got but i would try to i try to go back to insure or something i'm trying to think of something a little uh -huh. thicker at aid station than than these packets all the time something with a little more substance and i'm yeah. sure it's out there do even. you eat any real foods like like zane gray this like a banana ever i, I, I thought i was or... going to okay. you know and i took in too many gels and i think i tried one of these products that uh, i thought it was a gel but it had fruit juice and things in there um and uh at that race you got to pack a lot of water too so you can get behind it's a tricky one but um yeah i'm still trying to work all that out yeah yeah uh so chris warden asks how much has the trail itself changed since your inaugural victory? Is it easier, harder? Yes. Um, first, Carson Solheim and Justin Ludick and, and everybody else that's gone up there and cut down things. Uh, the trail was gnarly. I think it even, I, I, I'm sure they rerouted it from what I hear. I remember going down some real rocky chutes that uh, even this now you do, but to pick your way through all that. But yeah, it was uh, the first year I did it. There were so many down logs, and there was hardly any trail markers, you know. So that made it even wilder. When I think about what I did, and no phone, I'd go out and do these training runs. Nobody knew where I was at, at all, you know. But that was, it made me feel so alive. Like all you guys know that do it. I don't have to explain what we get out of this. I, you have to explain it to other people plenty of times, you know. I remember back then, I I just tell people I just like to leave my comfort zone and I love nature, but nobody nobody got it back then yeah. you know um yeah. i think yeah this day and age we're so so connected um that i think this is a, kind of a great way to escape but even then i'm sure it felt that way too like just yeah. like getting away from everything and, yeah there's something about it as you know yeah. just moving your body along nature like that and i see some of the films you you take and i'm right there with you doing it that's what's cool about it i'm, I'm like feeling those feelings come right up in me of and that's what kind of gels all of us ultra runners doing something out there that we all like to do and supporting each other and yeah you have fast guys now we always wondered what would happen if 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 it evolved to what it is now and look what look at the athletes i was able to win them because i was the only guy showing up with you know that a three-hour marathon time. now you got Come a on. sub four crown king this year yeah that just amazes me that that's i i cannot believe somebody ran that fast up those hills but uh we wondered, you know, yeah. uh, once the word got out and everything. And so the first year you ran Zane in 1990, that was before the Dude Fire. Yeah. Which kind of decimated the middle part of the Zane right. course. Do you remember, like, some of those forests you ran Yeah, just, just, just beautiful. Yeah. yeah, and then uh, I remember doing it the next time. And it's, there's some eerie-type sections up there. Uh, one year it was kind of like it was burnt out and misty. And, yeah, definitely def definitely trail change for the better. And... Uh, 
and thank you for all the volunteers that go up there and just labor on it. Yeah. Just, you know, I thought of that. I go, oh, I could tell, you know, this was all worked on through here because it wasn't back then. And, and I remember my wife waited for me. I used to be able to finish them in around eight hours, these fifties. And she waited and waited and, and I, I turned purple. I had, it was, I had no shirt on, you know, two water jugs that were empty, but yeah. And after that one, she was like, uh, uh, you know, a little leery. I, I had to drive all the way back. There was no, I was in bad shape. There was no hotel rooms or, and I got pulled over and I, the cop, I had like a man against shirt on and I told her my son's sitting there sucking his thumb in his car seat. I, I can't get another ticket. I just did this. She goes, just get out of here. Let me go. That was kind of cool. All right. Stormy Washer asks, as silly as this sounds, but has your choice of shoe brand changed over the years? Yeah, it changed with the shoes, I guess. Um, you try uh, what works for you and you think there was only so many options back then. I got hooked on Montreal there for a while. They had a shoe called the Hard Rock um, before I think Columbia Sports bought it and changed the shoe around like they always do. It was a yeah. solid shoe for me. It was heavy. I don't mind heavy shoes because I didn't care. I just wanted to have that protection on my feet. Like I said it a lot of times this year at Zane, my feet hurt. Those rocks. And what'd you run in this year? Oh, this year, uh, these Pearl Azumi, I think they're D3 trails. They're a little thicker than, than the other ones they had. And, uh, they work pretty darn good. There's just a lot of rocks up there. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I, I did, uh, I started running them in regular road shoes. Uh, and I still think you can, and, and a lot of these, you know, a good road shoe that, um, gives you what you need if you need structure or, or whatever. But yeah, I think I evolved with the shoes. And, and you're, you're kind of a slave to the shoe because if you go buy one and you can't really, some planes you can't return it so much. So yeah, and you get hooked on one and there might be a better one, but you don't have the luxury of buying a bunch of different kind, right. you know. It's like I try to hide the shoe boxes after a while and I come home because I, I probably spend $1,500 a year on shoes for yeah. sure. Just on the shoe. Who said running was cheap? Right. <laughs> you know. Uh, let's see. James Bisbee asks a possible question for Scott. After 26 plus years of doing ultras, what would be your best advice to someone just getting into ultra racing? He says racing. Uh, so maybe it's fast. I mean, I tried, I was trying to race some of them. I know I raced Western States a couple times, see what I can do. Um, but just getting into ultra running, I would think, uh, it's really important to make sure you you balance out your hip muscles. Um, because running, uh, trail running is a little different. You're side to side. I, I think it takes a couple of years to get good at trail running just for all those intricate muscles to kind of strengthen up. Yeah. All those ankle tendons, deflections, inversion, eversion and that. And, um, I've seen it in runners after they get going two years later, they're wow. And they get really good. Um, but I would say a good physical therapist or a good personal trainer just to set you right on, on keeping those hips strong, that side to side movement. And, uh, that kind of just some some strength resist i'm doing bands around my ankles i hold on to those ski poses and i do them inner outer and, and front and back even lifting up and that's really helped me lately because i have a bad knee you asked why i didn't run for that many years um because of my knee mostly and I've, yeah and I, it was like getting a divorce from when i had to stop all i even had to cut the magazine out because uh, you stopped it, subscribing it was, yeah it was so yeah. hard because my heart was just i wanted to be out there that was yeah. my deal you know and either way i was out there 40 miles a week all these years anyways you know but uh to be on the trail and, and doing something with of magnitude like that really you know transcending your ordinary self is the way i describe it because that's what you do out there you know, 
you don't think you can like I was like I go come on you run this thing it's just you got to get yourself there and once you're in the mode then you can go to them you know you can keep doing it kind of thing but if you don't do them for a while you doubt and I want to tell people just get yourself to the starting line do your training I mean I ran crown king three weeks before yes I, I did a lot of walking and stuff like that to finish this but anything happens on race day but if you do your training and, and um, that sort of thing. You can do more than you think. You can go a couple, two to three times your longest distance, really, if you had to, with the right nutrition and that. Yeah. And James kind of follows up. If, I, if you would have known then what you know now, um, like, would you have done things differently? Yeah, I might not have run so many ultras at the, at the beginning because the bug does bite you. Um, I tell people with young families to uh, make sure you're balancing that out. Relationships, uh, if your partner's not totally into it. I mean, running is one thing, but those things are more important in life. And if you can balance all those things out, um, because it really does take you. I mean, it took me. I needed it in my life. I needed a better direction than the way I was going. So, in an essence, ultra running was great therapy for me and good focus for me as a person. But back again, I, I would balance my my hips out and do you know different core exercises that I didn't do back then. I, I think I did do you know things at the gym and stuff like that. But there's there's better stuff out there, better movement exercise and and run on those hills, man. You want those legs? Your body transforms after a few years, doesn't it? Your legs change, mm -hmm. everything. You, you feel like this. You are a machine. You know, you, you feel like uh, you can go 50 miles at any given time. But we're not invincible. No, we're not. Because <laughs> you see all these top runners having a heart. I mean, any given day, anything can happen and yeah, that sort of thing. Well, there's a lot of this, like, overtraining syndrome that we're yeah. seeing pop up. You yeah. see these really competitive ultra runners, you know, and then, and then now in this day and age, you know, you win a couple big races and you become a pro. I mean, yeah. you know, people are getting sponsorships and... And then you see them do well for maybe another year, and then yeah. they just disappear from the scene. I think the balance is important, too. Yeah, and I read about those guys, too. That really puts a number on your body. And I, I just felt so bad for these champion runners that could hardly go out and run. Oh, my heart sunk. Well, and know? it seems like, yeah, they and at some point, they they just want to get out there and run again and enjoy yeah. it. Um, you know, I mean, Kyle Skaggs, on top of his game, right. setting the Hard Rock course record, and within a few months, you know, he's hasn't run again really yeah um, just because of health issues and that's that's sad to see it is uh you can get by on less than you think especially because these things are a strange game you know if you're rested and it, it all depends it's it's you got to get there and do it and see and find out you can talk about it or, or guess about it and and wow yeah look at the runners we got now though but if everybody wouldn't i i don't wish that on anybody any kind of that overtraining syndrome yeah uh, TJ Cuddy asks, he's a pretty built dude. How does he balance running with other types of fitness? Um, I think I had lifted so many, so much weights when I was a kid because I was, uh, the youngest of all my cousins. My family came from pro football that I, I <laughs> you know, so they, uh, made fun of me and I, I stayed in the weight room, uh, and that kind of carries over, but, um, I've taken a lot of protein. You know, I even took in protein goos out there and stuff because I think we, we eat our muscles after a while if we're not careful. Um, yeah, that's it. I'm on my nutrition like I am my own body. I am a trained massage therapist, so I have plenty of tools at home, you know, the Theracane, all those things. So all of it's important. Your diet, 
um, and taking taking care of your body. Those IT bands running these hills, if you don't get those loose, you're going to end up with knee problems. And sometimes the foam roller can't do it. You have to get a harder. Uh, I just recently been getting a stem. You ever hear yeah. that? Yeah, I've gotten that done before yeah, for full, an IT band. Right. I got. I'm getting full body treatments for like 40 minutes long, and I tell you what, that's painful. It, <laughs> it, it is, but I was laying there going. I think I'm kind of numb in some of these areas. Like my outer quad, I had an entrapment. Uh -huh. But after that, I, I, I'm able to move free. I was getting up and, and walking. Oh, man, I haven't moved this free. Bending over and picking something up. is. I saw you squat down like that. I see how, you know, how loose you are. The older you get, if you don't do this kind of stuff, all these races, you know, they accumulate on your body. Yeah. So uh, that's the thing is having self-massage is a big thing because who wants to go pay for it? There's tools like the Theracane, the foam rollers. Um, I have all sorts of uh, thumpers that I use, stuff like that. So but, what's out of all the years you've been running, what's the craziest thing you've seen at an ultra or out on the trails? Huh, what first come to mind was Western States. Uh, this guy was bent down and he was injecting himself and he was diabetic. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, what's he doing, you know? And he's, I'm diabetic. I, you know, and I go, here's, wow, this guy's got to battle that out here, uh, let alone everything else on the trail. Um, probably I go to animals, like seeing bear and stuff like that, out running and uh, that. But I guess, I don't know, during a race, uh, I'm not really sure. I thought some of your races actually you know some of the the javelina ones just wild and crazy out there you see things you never thought i'd see in an ultra and it makes it fun you know because, wild horses yeah the wild horses are cool out there but um i think stuff like that i'm trying to i mean i, I remember images of people having hard times and having to leave them out there in the woods because they were you know go i'm okay and looking back when the lightning flashes and seeing them die, you know <laughs> still on their all fours and stuff but uh, I'm sure there's probably something that'll come to mind when, when I when I go, but yeah, it's just I love the trails. I like running. You know what it does for you, what it does for your mind, and and trying to keep it a positive, not turning into a negative, and 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 running for family and everything else is is my best advice. And giving back, I'm working some of your races now and enjoying working on people as massaging and stuff like that. And must have filled water jugs for 12 hours at that first javelina. And my hands hurt just from undoing <laughs> the things. And I, I got, I get too hyped up in these. I was too hyped up in the aid stations. I think some of the top runners were like, settle down, you're making me nervous, you know. And that's the way it is when I get on that trail. I just, I, if there's some, you know, you probably get it. It's something about finishing that and that hyper focus that it takes. I mean, you do some of the hardest runs in the country. You have to, you have to be just nothing else but focused, huh? I don't know any other word for that. And you kind of get in the zone. Um, I don't know. I, when I'm out racing, I almost become a, not a different person. Like you just get in the moment yeah. and kind of like you, you feel running through the woods, you kind of feel like a wild animal kind of and yes. get back to your instincts and just being raw out there. That reminds me, I always think of the people that came before me. I used to read these Westerns, you know, a lot of the Louis Lamore Western, he writes about these places where we run, you know, uh -huh. and uh, so I just think about the people that came before the natives, some of the settlers, and even even in Zane Gray, I was going, can you imagine pushing a cannon up these hills, you know, and <laughs> you got a battle in here against somebody else, so people, ultra running's not new, the magazine covered that years ago, and that was of great interest to me. People ran long distances a long time ago. 
Yeah. In Madison Square Garden. By, well, yeah. Well, sometimes by necessity or, yeah, sometimes for even for entertainment. Wacky. Like in the <laughs> early 1900s, they ran yeah. around six-day races. The sport, it was like the most popular spectator sport in America. Way people back. were betting on yeah. people running for six days in a circle in an arena. In in the early 1900s, that's yeah. what you got to say. And like right. People like Daniel Boone ran 120 miles barefoot to escape the Indians in three days to get back to his home. These things are documented. Yeah. You know, people that covered these distances before us with who knows what they ate beside what the land gave them you yeah. know and drank out of streams and stuff it makes you it takes you out of this everyday thing and 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 transforms you into something else and that's why i think tough mudder and a lot of these kind of events are, are doing so well on the weekends because people yeah. want to challenge you get themselves. people stuck in the office all week and they, right. need an es- they need an escape and oh i think some people don't know how to find that. They don't know that they can just go out mm-hmm. into the woods and hike around and run around and get dirty. Yeah. So they kind of need someone to give them, them that experience. And you guys have been great at that, taking people that thought they could never do it. That's why I like having those early starts where people can get out there and cover those distances. Because I saw a guy break down and cry at Crown King. And I'm, I'm vulnerable to that too sometimes when I finish with it. I know his emotions where he just... He just did this epic thing that he probably thought he never could do. And I got such joy of that, you yeah. know. And, yeah, just helping people. They used to say ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And that's pretty much kind of what it is. Yeah, I mean, I think anyone anyone could do this. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I used to think that. It probably, you know, maybe yeah. not anyone. But I don't know. I mean, I... I, I know. I know what you're saying there, yeah. though. I think most training. people are capable of covering... A 50k distance you know yeah. or at least getting to the point where they can and know? they know they're going to be welcomed and belong in yeah. our little community no matter what yeah and that's awesome where do you get that anywhere else the sense of that and you know i don't know so many people now um i didn't do them because of my knee for those years so i fell out of the loop in that but uh it's i was it still feels the same to me yeah it's awesome yeah yeah thank you Yep. So what is um, your next event? What's You know, you guys, you guys shut down <laughs> for the summer except these night runs and things that you do. But uh, I'll probably go do something in the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Uh, my father used to take us there every year for so many years. And uh, I'll spread his ashes probably down there this year. And uh, probably go up back up in that rim country. There's some trails up there I haven't seen on the Arizona Trail and stuff like that. And to be in the forest is awesome. Right up the hill like that. Yeah. And then see what comes up next year again. Maybe uh, Mogollon Monsters? Well, I thought of that. I was like, I I'm, I mean, if I had everything still, that would take take a lot, you know. Um, the knee is a funny thing for me. I it, my, I have a, the knee lining blows out into a cyst when I run these. So it's pretty full right now, like size of a small lemon. Mm-hmm. And it's actually your knee lining. It's not a cyst. It's just blown out. It's inflamed. Yeah. And I don't know what they can do for that. If they, they, what they do, it's been so many years now. So maybe they can help me out. I, I thought about that, but I, I'm trying to just do what it gives me, yeah. you know, and uh, that sort of thing. And just get off on what you guys are doing. Yeah. Well, it's inspiring to see you out there still. I hey, love thanks. it. I mean, I ran Crown King this year and we shared a couple minutes on the trail, yeah. and that was really, really cool. Yeah, this year I came up on, uh, Ian was uh, at the very end of Zane Gray, Ian Torrance, 
Hayes, who's one of my idols because he was so fast doing these things. He, he started a little later than me, but he, he's a coach. He tells you how to do things and everything, and he's great. He's going, did you see those pigs? So we shared this moment looking at these <laughs> pigs, you know, and he goes, go. I go, I'm not going to pass you the last 10 <laughs> yards at Zane Gray. I go, please. Well, he just finished his 13th, which I know. is and the most out of anyone, which is right. amazing. And in that moment there, I love that moment. I was like, no way, you know, you go you go first and, and – uh, uh, yeah, that was that was kind of cool. Just so, show some of the camaraderie. Yeah, and and I wish I knew more of the names of some of the guys now. I'm learning them, uh, but because there's so many so much extraordinary athletes out there, it just amazes me. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Those are our questions. And if you guys have questions for us uh, for future episodes, be sure to reach out. Uh, use the hashtag #AskTrail. We have a new segment we're going to be incorporating into the end of every show from now on, and this is called Trail Fail. There's also a website for this, so you go to www.trailfail.com. You can see, uh, what would you call it? Uh, bad falls, bumps, bruises on the trail. Bad falls, bumps, bruises on the trail. So we are going to look at one of these trail fails and... We'll just react to it, I guess. Oh, yeah? So just, we'll both look at it. Okay. It's probably right. me falling. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know what to expect here, but we'll okay. see. All right, we got oh, wow. trail fail toenail puzzle from Angeles Crest 100. Mm. AC. Oh, my God. <laughs> they are down there. They show them. Look at all those. So <laughs> I think they had too tight of shoes. They <laughs> look like those might have been trimmed. I don't know. I always try to trim mine, but those shoes on the downhill are so important. Oh, my God. Room. That is absolutely disgusting. Uh, Have you lost a finisher? Yeah, but mostly in modeling jobs that the shoes were too tight and stuff. (laughs) I used to say that a couple times. One time I had trouble that I I had a different system, but usually I don't blister or anything. It looks like they lost 7 out of 10 here. Yeah, well, look at Marshall Ulrich had them all pulled out. Yeah, (laughs) Surgically? Yeah, surgically. He he did, what, double bad water, maybe even quadruple, I don't even know. He used to (laughs) pull his own cart behind him and stuff like that. There's some amazing people out there. All right, so go ahead. If you guys have a trail fail to share, go ahead and submit it on the website and might feature it on the next show. Uh, so, Scott, thank you so much thanks, for being Bill. here. Yeah, thanks for everything you're us. doing for the sport, too. It's, uh, it's a great great thing to see the sport carried on in this fashion, especially here in Arizona. All right. Yeah. Well, stay tuned for our next episode, guys. Thanks for watching.